Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is on an adventure, but will be returning shortly. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Now, uh, in the interim between last Thursday and this Thursday, Matt, you and I have been digging through voicemails. We've been following up on emails. I want to thank everybody who reached out to the show on social or uh, reached out to us as individuals. You are the most important part of the show, fellow conspiracy realists. And this, of course, is the time of the week where we put our money where our, our mouths are, where your ears are. You get the gist. It's our weekly listener mail segment. Whoops, all voicemails is what we're calling this one. Yeah, <laughs> we we always put our mouths where your ears are, which is kind of gross. Yeah, we try to do it in an <laughs> enjoyable, not creepy way. Uh, we are going to, let's see, we're going to travel to a couple of different themes. We're going to travel to a couple of different places, uh, particularly Kingsport, Tennessee. 
where I have a bit of a past, but I am still currently allowed into that city. So mm. that's good news, depending on how this, this show goes this week. <laughs> yeah. Also going to Boise, Idaho. It's going to be exciting. Promise. What better way to begin? I don't know. I'm pretty excited about all of these, Matt. Uh, our our correspondents really knocked it out of the park today. Uh, where, where do you think we start? Why don't we start with a familiar voice who has a comment on just an offhand discussion that we had within an episode pretty recently. The fog rolls in. Oh, yeah. All right. Subject matters. How are Eagle Scouts perceived by the contents kept in their trunks? I'll make this as quick as I can. And I had to cut because this is funny. This is this was messed up. So when I was a young Viking, uh, traveling around my hometown, as previously mentioned, was Boise, Idaho. Um, getting my Eagle Scout there, I became accustomed to traveling with certain safety equipment for dealing with, you know, the things you might find in the mountains that might be dangerous. Mountain lions grizzly bears, wolves, and drunk rednecks. So I had a revolver in, in a safety bag that sat on my floor because I used to spend my weekends there in the mountains. I was pulled over for speeding one day, and they went through my car, and they found the revolver and got very excited about it. And then they opened the trunk, and then they got real f- excited about it. So excited in fact, that after I posted bail for being arrested with a concealed weapon without having a permit, I didn't have a permit to carry it concealed. Like, it's in a bag. Whatever. Wasn't a big deal. Fines paid, community service done. But the contents, they, <laughs> they believed that I was a, I can't make this up, neo-Nazi enforcer. So much so that I had to go to the fourth floor of the Wells Fargo building in downtown Boise, Idaho, where I found out that's where the FBI office is, at least one of them. And I sat there for an hour and a half to two hours having an impromptu psyche valve done by two agents. I still have one of their cards in my wallet. Because I kept it, because I'm like, I'm never going to forget this. It was a hilarious conversation. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details about it here. It's just way too much. It was one of the funniest conversations I've ever had. I may or may not have been under the influence. Um, but they had a cop ball around for like two weeks. It was a mess. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but no, just an Eagle Scout. I told them that many times. It was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> love the show, guys. Hope you get a laugh. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> the fall rolls in. I love that guy, man. Oh, yeah. Me too. Viking is the best. Mm. Uh, so a story of what can happen when your vehicle is filled with stuff that you may want to use if you've gone through training to become an Eagle Scout or anyone else who's done a lot of outdoor survival training or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it went wrong for Viking, obviously, a little bit wrong, at least. Uh, and it's gone wrong for a lot of people, as as I found out just after hearing this. But um, we, you remember this? We joked about it. We joked about something with the contents of people's trunks 
like making authorities believe they're serial killers because yes. they have go bags and all kinds of stuff, uh, <laughs> equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what's your take on that initially, Ben? Uh, well, I would say I'm glad you got out of that. I think those sorts of impromptu conversations happen more often than a lot of people realize. And because you're coming to us from a safe place now, Viking, so glad to hear it. Uh, we can look back on this with a little bit of amusement and levity. But those conversations don't always turn out to be those kind of fun stories for parties and friends. Uh, you can get profiled based on this kind of stuff. Even if, you know, even if you have the correct permit for your state in the U.S., uh, you can still end up being profiled. Like, the thing is, law enforcement can just take you in, you know what I mean? And then later find a, a reason why in these worst case scenarios. But we do have to realize, you know, that when you're talking about the alphabet boys, when you're talking about law enforcement, there's a reason that they clamp down on this stuff. Now, obviously, Viking, you are not a neo-Nazi enforcer. Uh, that might sound a little strange to a lot of us who are not in uh, Boise, Idaho, or haven't spent time in Idaho, but they're not coming from nowhere with that concern because uh, neo-Nazi groups are active in Idaho. And as a matter of fact, just uh, last year, just August of last year, they had uh, a group of neo-Nazis had been arrested and charged with planning some some pretty significant power grid attacks. Did you see that one too, Matt? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And, and there are similar groups across the country and probably the world. Uh, little cells that operate, um, hopefully little cells, <laughs> at least for now. Yeah. Yeah. I actually talked to Viking just momentarily today. Mm-hmm. I got a few more details that again, maybe that's why I'm feeling more amused about this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He gave a few more details. Yeah. What happened? Um, uh, this was about 10 years ago. When mm. when this went down, when it occurred, he definitely had a revolver on, you know, in the car with him. It was in a travel bag, as he describes it, or a backpack. It was on the on the floor. He described it as a self defense weapon, as as we heard in the message. Um, and the Boise PD definitely considered it a concealed weapon without a permit. Viking says, "quote I was speeding. I was definitely doing that, <laughs> but they really believed they had me on this other thing. Like they just fully believed it." And it has to do with when they open their trunk, and he didn't want to go into the details with all of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to get I'm going to get to it here in just a moment. The Boise PD, independent of the federal guys, the FBI, did send someone, a patrolman, I guess, that they assigned to him to follow him from work to home to oh, wow. the community service that he was performing to uh-huh. friends' houses. Back and forth. He knew this person was on him at all times. Uh, It wasn't subtle, I suppose. It was just watching him, making sure they understood his movements. That's when the FBI dropped by his house, apparently, and they left a card that simply stated, call us immediately. Oh, wow. (laughs) So he had to take the initiative to get in contact with the local FBI office. (laughs) And then he did. He went in. He said at the time... He was, oh, what did he call it? Smoking grass. Uh, 
He was smoking grass quite a bit at the time. So when he went to the FBI building, or rather the Wells Fargo building where the FBI was located, he was elevated, quite elevated, he says. And there were two agents. One was very nice. One was very angry. Um, the, The nice guy was a bit older. The mean one looked like he worked out a lot. And the mean one kept insisting about the contents of the truck and they were stuck on a few different items. One of the main items was a gas mask, Mm -hmm. which I can imagine is a bit alarming. If you open a a trunk or you're searching a vehicle and you find a gas mask, maybe, I don't know. Is that, should that be alarming? What do you think? Would that be alarming? Well, it's so it's possible that they had some kind of information or you know, maybe they had UC, someone undercover, who had named for them the possibilities of attacks that were being considered by groups like, you mm. know, the Aryan Freedom Network or whatever. And if one of those involved uh, the dispersal of some kind of agent, then they, mm. would, they would then have a list of kind of things to look out for, right? Things that might be connected, possibly, to someone who would be planning an attack like that. But it Viking, really what it sounds like is that they had some idea or some report of possible actions and they just profiled the hell out of you. Uh, like, yep. it's strange because, you know, there are people in law enforcement who spend their entire careers looking at militias, separatist gangs, cartels, you know, no learning their behavior, their rights, their rituals. I mean, rights, R-I-T-E-S. Not the uh, R I G H T S rights, which are often ignored. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but the the thing there is like, uh, if I saw a gas mask, and again, I'm not a law enforcement professional, neither of us are. But if I saw a gas mask on a search, I mean, yeah, it would stand out. But you would also want a little more, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. just—it's not illegal to own a gas mask, and there are. Hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. alone who don't have like a career reason or a workplace reason to have a gas mask, but they want to be prepared in case something goes down. You know what I mean? So I would chalk that up to that. But I, I can see how they would say we need to do a little more digging. And of course, the good cop, bad cop routine, tale as old as time. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, in this case, I, I have a feeling, Viking, you'll, you can call in and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you've got a real sense of humor about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I imagine you in that interrogation room, uh, interview room, whatever they would have called mm-hmm. it, uh, just not taking things very seriously uh, because <laughs> of how you told me you responded when they were grilling you on the gas mask. <laughs> uh, this is These are direct quotes from our okay. conversation. Yeah, yeah. The FBI said, what was the gas mask in the trunk for? He said, yeah, we can skip that question. And the FBI <laughs> said, no, we can't. No, we can't. And he said, is it for smoking look, I wear weed? it for fun. Oh, I, I wear, wear it for fun. fun. Okay. okay. <laughs> and, they like, and they were looking at him, so, you know, like, uh-huh. He said, it's like for sex, man. Come on. And they're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And so he, t- I have a feeling he like, Maybe took it to that place to uh, generate an uncomfortable response. Yeah. Maybe on purpose. I don't know. Well, I don't it's, know. It's also it that part could be true, but uh, yeah, maybe it's true. But either way, you know, you can totally, you can totally have that. There's again, there's nothing illegal about that. 
You know what I mean? Yep. Often in those interrogations, you're asked the same question in a number of different ways. The idea being that if you are lying, you will eventually trip up, which people do all the time. Mm-hmm. So if so, it's also weird that he didn't have a he didn't lawyer up, but it sounds like things turned out okay. Anyhow, I love that answer though. Whether or not it's true, yeah, that's, oh, that's me too. Great answer. <laughs> yeah, we. But here's the that. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we, we don't need to talk about. It. Um, there are certain laws in place that have mandatory sentencing still. Right. That, that's a, that's a real thing that we've talked about in a you know a lot of different ways. But most importantly, when it comes to drug laws within the United States, the concept of mandatory minimums that that this country decided to enact uh, for quite a while there. Uh, but in other things like gun charges, concealed weapons charges mm-hmm. without permits, mm-hmm. things like that, there's there's something that has to happen when an incident occurs and it's reported to police, you know, and there's an investigation of any kind. And I just really quickly want to mention the story of one person named Cole Withrow that I was not familiar with. It's an incident that occurred in 2013. This person, Cole Withrow, was a high school student in North Carolina who was an Eagle Scout, and over the weekend, he was carrying in his vehicle a shotgun that he uses for skeet shooting. And it's a fairly common thing that he does. He had left it in his vehicle and didn't notice until he reached behind the seats to pull out his backpack and noticed that his shotgun was in the vehicle on school grounds, which he's aware is a problem. So he goes inside to the school, makes a phone call to his mother, and asks her to come and get the vehicle and take it off of school grounds because he can't he can't leave he can't drive the thing home he's like late for class basically because of all this a staff member at the school overhears calls the police there's a student on campus with a shotgun he ends up getting in huge trouble just for physically having a shotgun on campus even though he's attempting to do the right thing to get it off of campus but he has to go through the system and is charged with a felony And he was expelled from the school as like, these are the rules that are set up when X happens and there's nothing you can do about it. I just wonder how many more things like that exist uh, in our society right now where there's no room for the human element, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the um, variation on a theme rather than just this is a or B. Yeah. And, and schools throughout the country have, I've been caught in similar struggles, you know, uh, when you navigate the law. I think that kid was also just a few weeks away from graduating or something. Yes. Yeah. So he did the right thing in that regard, uh, but he still he still got smacked for it. And sometimes, just as you're describing, Matt, you can absolutely do the right thing. Like in, in your case, Viking, you were totally cooperative, right? And you can say... Maybe the PD was making an intimidation move by shadowing you visibly. And you have to know that they knew you knew, et cetera. But I'm also concerned with that. You know, mandatory minimums, regardless of your personal ideologies or whatever you subscribe to, mandatory minimums are a problem. They mean that a judge, if something goes to a jury trial, uh, the judge and the jury have their roles extremely curtailed. And mandatory minimums can irreparably mess up people's lives, 
right? One of the one of the big things that's happening now is, you know, for mandatory minimum sentencing in the world of substance abuse and the war on drugs, uh, as certain drugs become uh, increasingly decriminalized, marijuana in particular, uh, hallucinogens becoming regarded more for their medicinal potential. Like as these things happen, people who were punished under mandatory minimum regimes still have to sit there. And can you imagine how livid you must be if you got some crazy sentence for uh, possession of marijuana and now you see maybe people from the same state you were in when you got arrested, you see them opening businesses and they're, <laughs> I'm laughing because we're at the gallows when it comes to that kind of stuff. But but yes, I would love to hear people's opinions on mandatory minimums. I think they were often a political decision that did much more harm than good. But I'm I'm not an expert in this regard. It's something we would need to do a full episode on. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Mandatory minimums for them, against them? I mean, fully against them, <laughs> but uh, I'm for, for the doing the episode. Questions. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe we change. Maybe our minds will change when we when we dive in. You know, we have some um, we have some wonderful legal minds who are fellow conspiracy realists who listen to the podcast. Uh, several of whom I owe some uh, emails back to. I'd also love to hear from people who are in the world of criminal justice, like what their personal take on mandatory minimums are, you know, and especially if you have experience seeing those applied, what, what happens after those stories leave the news? Uh, Mm. It's just something that I think we could, we could all work together to shed some light on. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, thank you so much Viking for telling us that story. Everything seems to have worked out and we're very happy about that. Uh, Viking would like to uh, have the last word here. And that is shout out to you, agent Steve on the fourth floor of the Wells Fargo building in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And also, we're back, but also just before we move on, uh, I want to again say that I, I just love the way Viking begins begins his messages to us. And I hope you enjoy them as well, folks. Uh, we recently, I went on Twitter at Bimbull and HSW and just asked, asked the group, uh, the, our conspiracy realists on Twitter, if, um, if you all had any preference with voicemails or emails. And a lot of people said they, they like the mixture of both. Uh, Matt and Doc and I sure enjoy the voicemails because, you know, there is a chance that Matt might call you back. The abyss stares back sometimes. Be careful. But also, just from a listening experience, it adds your voices to the show. It gives us this audio texture. And Matt, you in particular, do such a great job curating these. Uh, So very appreciative of you. Uh, When we say, whoops, all voicemails, uh, what we're doing really is we're chasing the stories uh, and sometimes those are on voicemail. Sometimes they're on email. Sometimes, honestly, folks will reach out to me and they'll ask them to send it in an email so we can all we can all share it together. Uh, but we'd love to hear you weigh in as well. If you have a preference for voicemail, email, et cetera, let us know. Uh, in the meantime, back to the show. We are traveling to Tennessee and we're doing it with the help of fellow conspiracy realist, friend of the show. Let's introduce you without further ado to T. Hey, fellas, this is uh, T. I called once before um, a little while back to uh, tell y'all about a story, uh, sort of about an unexplained phenomenon that happened to me at a church uh, at the college I went to. Uh, And you have my permission to use this or whatever uh, on the show, nickname, voice, recording, whatever. What I wanted to bring to y'all's attention today was a few weeks ago um, in a town called Kingsport, Tennessee, Eastman Chemical Plant, uh, or the Tennessee Operation Headquarter of the Eastman Chemical Company, had a pipeline burst, uh, and this pipeline sprayed asbestos and several other chemicals into the air um, that actually coated the surrounding area, cars and homes, uh, yards and sidewalks, etc. Now, this in and of itself is not, you know, news. Eastman has an explosion every couple years and, you know, some kind of minor, uh, you know, chemical problem every couple years. And uh, rarely anything ever gets done about it. However, the problem with what happened this time was the fact that Eastman knew about it. They knew about it for several hours before they actually released the information to the public, warning people that it was asbestos. Now, there's like a class action suit going on right now, or it's sort of in the early stages, but 
It is very unlikely that anything will actually happen to Kingsport because there is so much support by the local population for Eastman, uh, which is based purely upon the dependence of the local economy, economy uh, you know, on its existence. If Eastman was to go away, Kingsport would dry up. Uh, the city of Kingsport could not survive without Eastman. And as a result, the people of the city blindly defend Eastman and everything they do. And if there's something that you're interested in and want to hear a little bit more about, feel free to give me a call back. Um, my grandfather used to drive a truck for Eastman back in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, well, I've got some stories about that that y'all might be interested in. Black sites, picking things up in the middle of the night, transporting them across country in unmarked trailers with a discreet escort, that kind of cool stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, look into the, the recent explosion or the pipeline burst at, uh, at Eastman Chemical Company in Kingsport, Tennessee. Y'all might find that interesting. Y'all have a good one. So. Yes, T, you are absolutely correct. And I have, uh, as as some of us know, uh, I have family in East Tennessee, in Kingsport, full disclosure, I've had and have uh, relatives, friends of the family who work at Eastman. It is a big, 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 big deal in the area. So T, you said a couple of things that let me know you are on the level and uh, we are fellow hometown guys. One of my favorite parts there, Matt, is when T says, but you know, it's Eastman and they have an explosion like every every couple of years or so. It is so very true. And I think most people in the area will acknowledge that. Uh, have you ever heard of, Whoa. like, you know about Kingsport, but have you heard of Eastman before? I want to say I've heard of Eastman, but I, I don't know. It feels like one of those names or the companies that I've seen on trucks or something or going through mm -hmm. Tennessee, I've noticed, but I, I have no idea what it is. A lot of people probably associate it with Eastman Kodak. And it, okay. and it started out uh, in Tennessee. It was founded way back in, uh, it was founded in the 1920s as a reaction to World War I. The guy who created it, George Eastman, wanted uh, his own supply of chemicals for his photography stuff. And his search for different sources of chemicals ultimately led to the creation of what was originally called Tennessee Eastman. It is a big, big deal. Right now, I think they have they're a worldwide company. They've got 50 different sites globally. Uh, they employ 14,000-something people, and a lot of them are in Kingsport. T, you're also right about that. Kingsport would dry up uh, with, without, without Eastman. But they also have a problem with repeated violations of safety standards. Like you said, you know there are, there are a lot of explosions over the historical record. From this place, uh, the whole town would shut down sometimes when something bad happened. But there's a lot of support for this area. You know, Kingsport is also a relatively conservative area. Most Americans would describe it as such. Uh, and the emphasis there is on continuing employment, right? On having a, having a lucrative career path in an area of the country where, frankly, uh, there are a lot of other towns that are struggling because they don't have something like an Eastman. So you could even say it's a bit of a devil's bargain. But if you want to go to your search browser of choice and put in like Eastman explosions, history or something like that, just magic together a few words about pollution or contamination, and Eastman and Kingsport, and you'll find no shortage of reporting on this. It is a 
It is a known issue. The asbestos part is especially frightening because if they knew for hours and they knew asbestos is out there, then people almost certainly got exposed. And they're not going to see a lot of damaging health effects from that until much further down the road. What I don't understand, Ben, is the the phrase used in some of the reporting that you shared here about a high-pressure steam line failure. We may not know the answer to this, but it, it feels like I, I just don't understand that system. They're dealing with chemicals. Are they synthesizing chemicals? Are they combining chemicals? Just thinking about the chemicals that are used in here, are we talking photo processing? Like that's what this is, photography, photo processing chemicals that you would actually use in like a blacklight room or massive production process? Yeah, the, uh, they started with chemicals for photography, but now it's, it's so much bigger than that. They create mm-hmm. things like fibers, like cellulose, acetate. Oh. They make a lot of polyesters and adhesives. Uh, just when you think of chemicals, you know, they want you to think of Eastman and then call them and buy some stuff. Ah. Uh, a high powered <laughs> steam pipe failure is uh, you can you can see the official company statement. They call it an operational incident, but a, a steam okay. line failure I'm just posting their official statement here in our chat is essentially the the line or the pipe providing high pressure steam to different areas mm-hmm. to power everything, it pops. And the explosions can be quite spectacular. And I'm not using that in the, in the nice connotation. I mean, it's a spectacle. Yeah. You hear that explosion miles away, you know, plumes of smoke containing God knows what going everywhere. And when that utility line carrying that steam, when it explodes, you could hear the sound as far as five miles away. There's a rumbling in the ground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if you're not used to it, it feels like end of the world stuff. But if you've lived in Kingsport for a while, you're, you're probably thinking, ah, it's Eastman again. What, me worry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but in this case, it sounds like it ruptured part of the building because I'm assuming that's the source of the asbestos was probably older insulation in the building that got pulverized and aerosolized as it mm. as the explosion occurred. Yeah, their polymer production area was the most heavily impacted per their earlier statement or per their official statement that okay. came out on March 10th, 2022. But again, that's only one example. You can also see back in 2017, they were cited for like OSHA in Tennessee got them for four serious violations uh, at their coal gasification facility after after some explosions again. And the main violation in that case, keep in mind when you hear these numbers, this is 2017, the main violation was a faulty valve. You know how much they got charged for that, Matt? $2,400. Wow, that's pretty good. Nice work, y'all. I mean, you know, uh, Doc works uh, prolifically in the world of production. You and I have worked in the world of production as well in the past. Uh, if you came to me and said, we can, we can film a, a, a pretty decent explosion for just a little, a little over $2,000, I would be like, you're a miracle worker. <laughs> oh, yeah, it fines. <laughs> but like I, I don't know how much does it cost to make a good explosion on camera uh we're joking a little bit but people have been injured 
by this stuff. And those chemicals that get released have to go somewhere and they're not, uh, they're not good for you. I hope that's not a hot take, but the, but again, the issue is it's such a massive source of employment and also everybody working at Eastman in Kingsport, I haven't been to other Eastman plants, but everybody working uh, for Eastman in Kingsport is doing their best. You know what I mean? They're not villainous people. It's just a, a lot of moving parts with some things that can be very dangerous out in the wild. And when the news pops up, you don't really see a ton of deep dives into this. It, it maybe pops up in a local, you know, uh, an official report from Eastman and then some local news and then the news cycle moves on. And this stuff, to be fair, happens at facilities for all kinds of companies all across the world. And if you are not actively looking for them or if you don't live in the area, it's very, very easy to miss them, which is a shame because this stuff is pretty important. And let's end it on this. So not only does Eastman enjoy widespread support in Kingsport, Tennessee, and indeed, I would say the Tri-City area, which is uh, Kingsport, Johnson City, and Bristol, uh, Eastman is also expanding, and it's still expanding. By the end of 2022, they will have a new plant that converts polyester waste into what they're calling durable products. They're spending about $250 million to build it. And in January of this year, they also said they're going to invest a billion dollars in a recycling facility in France. So they're trying to create what is sometimes called a circular economy. The circular economy is the idea that you can be the person who makes the chemicals or the outfit that makes the chemicals, and you can also be the outfit that recycles the chemicals. So you can kind of cradle to grave it, right? And you can also sincerely and legitimately say that you're helping fight contamination and you'll be making money on both sides. So sometimes mm -hmm. doing the right thing works out, especially when it's a uh, business decision. But with that, I would love <laughs> to hear other people's stories about um, T. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're safe, man. Uh, I know we all are. I uh, would love to hear other people's stories about little known regional disasters like this, uh, or you can call them mishaps, or you can call them operational incidents. If you want to take a page from Eastman, how does your neck of the woods handle these? Uh, what do you think should be improved? Do you know of anything that you would consider a ticking time bomb in your area? Mm. Let us know. one 833 stdwytk We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. And we'll be back with some more messages from you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Mm. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Ah, yes, and we've returned, and we are jumping back to the phone lines. Everyone get excited. We're going to hear from Hank. Hey, guys, what's going on? Uh, It's your boy, Hank Moody, calling in. I've actually had some stuff weighing on my mind, and with all of the things that are ramping up in the world recently, I was hoping that you might be able to cover around one to three topics that I've been seriously thinking about. One of them is that I keep seeing the doomsday prophecy kind of stuff popping up. You know, like I think Joe Rogan recently posted something about how an MIT application predicted that the world will end in 2040. I just want to know what you guys think about that. Um, Another thing that's been weighing on my mind is the whole simulation idea um, that statistically there's a 50-50 chance that we're in a simulation. I've seen pros and cons for being in both, but it just kind of creeps me out knowing that this is just all an intricate simulation. It sounds crazy, I know, but, uh, you know, what are the possibilities? I'd just like to hear what you guys think about that. And then the last thing, I was just hoping that you could cover the idea that as I get older, I'm starting to realize that UFOs and all of the sci-fi stuff that we know and love, like, uh, you know, mythological beasts and, you know, curses and demons and stuff is all kind of one and the same. Um, It's all a bunch of really well done elaboration on stories from people that uh, were out of it or misremembered something. And the most of the stuff we see is just really advanced government tech that we don't know about or don't really understand. So um, I was hoping to 
some point you guys could cover any of those three um, because it just seems interesting. And also, you know, as we get older and as we start to understand things, things kind of aren't what they used to be. So hope you're all having a great day and uh, Hank out. Hank out. Hank out. Hank gave us three three topics that I just want to throw out here, I guess, and, and discuss with you, Ben. And then we want to hear what you think. If you are listening to this, like, do any of these spark your interest? Would you like us to talk about these the same way Hank would? Um, so let's get started. First one, doomsday prophecies, Ben. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. They're always around. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- sneaking on the periphery, making their way into our minds and into Joe Rogan's mind, I guess. Sure. <laughs> the one in particular that was mentioned there was the 2040 MIT... I believe it was a study. I know we've talked about this, Ben. We we have, right? Right. Yeah. The uh, the assessment that's that attempts to comprehensively paint a picture of civilizations uh, destabilization or collapse, I believe. And that's that's a really interesting one uh, for us, Hank, because that study was done in 1972. And it remains pretty relevant in a chilling way today. They're, they're thinking that it's called like the limits to growth model without being mm-hmm. too dry. It's not the same as absolutely predicting the future. It's saying that if you use this specific limits to growth model, which we can explain, then the fall of society, as we understand it, will take place in about in about 18 years. Um, yes. It, it, yeah. And it's what they look at is like the idea of natural resources running out or in the case of water being contaminated such that they are no longer useful for human consumption and rising cost occurring in step with that. So that, you know, the idea would be one day we'll live in a world where an orange is a rare thing because of the water it takes to grow them, and an orange costs you $10. And then shortly after that, you just won't have orange. Oranges won't be a thing. So, like, it's scary. Well, it makes total sense. As global population grows, the industries that support that population have to grow, you know, equally or even more so than the population itself. So, they, so more food and other goods and services can be provided. And like you said, the finite resources have to then be used at a higher and higher clip as the industry grows. And it's 1972 and they've been looking at it and they looked at it then. And then MIT went back and looked at it uh, years and years later, not that long ago, as we uh, talk about, I think, I think this was written about a lot in 2021, maybe mid year, Uh June, something around that time. And it's pretty horrifying because you can almost feel it now. Yeah, like in your bones, you can feel that it's coming as you look around. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you watch World War Three kind of happening before our eyes. It, it does. It feels like the limits to human growth are, are being uh, hit. Are being discovered. Yikes. Yeah, that's that's another issue. Uh, so we do want to talk about this study just a bit more. Uh, it was considered controversial at the time, and a lot of opportunists took it to further their own agendas. Also, there were, there were a surprising amount of conspiracy theories regarding this because the limits to growth model 
upon which that study is based was published by an outfit called the Club of Rome, which is, that's the kind of thing where it makes you want to have like a phrase of the day, you know, so we can have a Pee Wee Herman-esque uh, a cavalcade of celebration. But yeah, the Club of Rome is a foundational, at least some of their work is a foundational part of this, which gives some, some folks uh, who are critics of the Club of Rome, it, it gives them the sense that maybe not everything's on the up and up with the MIT study. We think it is. We think it is legit. It's legit science, right? And science can always be approved upon. But we don't think people are trying to conspire against you necessarily. And we did a Club of Rome video, maybe? I think I so. Know we we definitely did a Secret Societies uh, checklist. Okay. Pretty sure I remember editing that video. What is Ooh. the Club of Rome? Stuff they don't want you to know. Yep, we did it. Yep, Boom. okay. Eight years so check ago. Check that out. Eight years <laughs> ago. <laughs> so check that out. Not, not too, too much has changed uh, regarding the Club of Rome's mission. Uh, but things might not be... Well, okay, I don't even want to say that on air. Things are dire, but the when they revisited this study, in particular, I want to point to Gaia Harrington, who updated the model for the Yale Journal of Ecology in November of 2022. And Harrington's conclusion is a little, maybe, I don't know, it's still dire. That's the thing. It's, just, it's still dire. We're in the car. The car is hurtling headlong to a tree. We just have to determine how we're going to handle the crash. That's where we're at. There's not much time to swerve in this accident. Uh, but Harrington concludes that society has, quote, about another decade to change courses and avoid collapse by investing in sustainable technologies and equitable human development. So sustainable technologies, you know, and one of the conspiracy theories you'll hear about that is, um, well, you'll hear two things. One that is a, a conspiracy theory is that companies are top-down, companies and institutions, very wealthy people, are pushing sustainable technology because it's a new way for them to make a lot of money or control aspects of civilization. That hasn't been proven. But what has been proven is that, yeah, the, the traditional energy methods, fossil fuel in particular, have unavoidable consequences. Gener the human species, as long as it survives, will be paying for those consequences along with the rest of the natural world. But sustainable technology also has also has some skeletons in its closet, depending on what you're asking about. Like, uh, you know, let's say you own an electric car and every day you plug it in and you think it's great that you're not contributing to uh, the use of gas. But if you're doing that in an area of the world where the electric grid is coal powered, then all you're doing is moving that fossil fuel further away. <laughs> you just don't have to look at the mm -hmm. pump. You know what I mean? Exactly. Do you want to switch just quickly? We can hit on the other two. We don't have to spend a lot of time on them. First is simulation theory, something that we mention in episodes across the span of our history, but we haven't done a simulation theory episode. That's so weird. It's one of your favorites, isn't it? Like we've talked about mm -hmm. it. I feel like a depth. We well, we've talked about it with I think Dan, maybe, and and maybe off the books with Lucky and a few other people. Mm. But um Man, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites. The holographic universe is what we used to call it back yeah. in the day when we were in video land. Uh, we should do that for sure. I want to do that. 
Okay, um, yeah, let's do that as an episode. I can't believe we haven't done that yet. That is a great idea, Hank. And that's something, Matt, I think you and I will uh, immensely enjoy. Yeah, we should also do, you know what we should do going back to that first idea as well, is we should also mm-hmm. look at Congo and Cobalt. That's going to be huge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we got two episodes down already. Here's our third one. Um the big takeaway from Hank, I'm sorry, I called Hank too. I apologize to you, Hank. I apologize to everybody else for calling people and bugging them. But the, <laughs> I'm sure, it's, sure, it's delightful. I've been on the phone with you. You're great to talk to on the phone. That's well, like a guy with well, his phone saying that. Again, to each their own. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be on the receiving end of one, one of my blab fests. But Hank is in medical school right now, nursing school, and going through just all kinds of rigorous learning while just trying to survive in the world and, you know, get some work done as well and make some money, all the things. And Hank expressed the concept. I'm just going to read the quote here. As I get older, things are starting to get weirder, it seems, and then weirder. And I think that's a feeling that many of us probably share. Uh, the world just seems to be less and less and less concrete when it comes to <laughs> what we think and believe, maybe what we be- take as fact. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like there's a direct match to the Internet. It's, again, a, a larger topic we've discussed many a time. But uh, the third thing that Hank mentioned really kind of fits that theme when he states that all of the science fiction stuff is really just storytelling over you know the course of thousands of years with humanity when it comes to myths and beasts and curses and demons and unidentified aerial phenomena and all this stuff, aliens and angels and all that. It just feels like we put different names on it over those thousands of years, right? The same kind of concepts sure. and ideas and observations. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, correct me if I'm wrong, Hank, but it seems like you just are looking for an episode that discusses maybe the connections between a lot of those things and how maybe a lot of it has been whatever the prevailing government or religion or power has been kind of cooking up uh, behind closed doors. Like these instances of technology that do seem magical and are beyond our understanding, but in reality, it's all mundane stuff being created by the people who have the most access to resources and yeah. people's time. Yeah, yeah, man. We've got some episodes you can listen to in the meantime while we're working on this one, Hank. Uh, check out Religious Syncretism. I can't remember if there's a full episode on it, but we talk about it a lot. That's an example. Uh, in a lot of UFO or folklore episodes that we've done, You'll hear us talking about how the stories of the the fae or the fair folk abducting children, all the changeling stories, they are beat by beat the same thing as alien abduction stories, right? Once you get past the cultural specificity, the plot is the same. That's why Rip Van Winkle can be read as an alien abduction, right? So Mm. the question then becomes, are these all based on some grain of truth, which is pretty exciting, or are people sort of telling the same stories repeatedly? That's where you see people like the author of The Golden Bough, uh, Frazier, and then uh, people like Joseph Campbell, uh, the author of Hero with a Thousand Faces, 
Uh, that's where you see them talking about the exactly what you're describing. People are as smart thousands, thousands of years ago as they are in the present day. They're explainers, right? They're categorizers. They seek patterns the same way that other living things seek food. So it shouldn't be surprising. It's not always necessarily stuff they don't want you to know, but it is fascinating, especially when you see the parallel thinking and you see the way that these stories interconnect. And you know what? No, let me correct myself, Matt and and Hank. There is a bit of conspiracy to it, especially when you get to the idea of power structures. Stories can Hmm. be used as a means of control. That's it, that's on a micro and macrocosmic level. For instance, consider, you know, why are so many parables and fables for children there to control the behavior of the children, usually to protect them, right? Like, don't go out in the woods because of this made up, you know, the bander blumder snatch or whatever. I'm just making that one up because bander snatch is already a thing. So the bander blumber snatch will get you if you go into the woods. It's because your parents don't really want to tell you, like, there are ugly people out there who are disturbed, might hurt you. You know, uh, they don't want to scare the kid too much, but they want to scare him a little. And then at the macrocosmic thing, you know, consider, we mentioned this in previous episode, consider the Catholic Church. They arrive in Latin America. They arrive in different parts of the world that already have their own rich, very deep, very old spiritual belief systems And they found that they could exert control on the populace in the hearts and minds part of their wars or invasions by religious syncretism, by saying, you Mm -hmm. know what, you know who that that old mountain god is that you propitiate. It's uh, actually this saint. We're not converting you. It turns out you've been Christian all along. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) This and just had different names. Yeah, yeah, this melding of ideas, uh, it can also happen organically, you know, and there, there are really beautiful aspects to it. So I don't want to make it always seem like a weapon of war and conquest. Uh, but, but yes, I think that would be, I'm not sure where that episode would go, but uh, it would be a, a hell of a ride to go on together. So hope that is, I hope that interests our fellow conspiracy realists as much as it obviously interests Hank and uh, hopefully you, Matt, and uh, me as well. Can't wait to break out my folklore books. I can't wait for you to break them out either. I'll sit here like this. What's next? <laughs> no, you know what? this stuff. This no. Is all, this is all old beans. <laughs> I'm saying old beans now. Is that, is that working? Does that land? Oh, I love it. All right. I love old beans. Oh, man. Hey, uh, <laughs> old, be- old beans was the thing. Old beans is now new old beans. That uh, this is good. Wait, what? <laughs> good <Old> beans. beans. <laughs> you used old beans a while back. I remember this. Yes, <laughs> you, it was yeah. the phrase "old beans." It's for anybody who's watching the video feed. I have some kind of like eye thing going on right now, and it, they hurt really badly. So thank you for bearing with us. I apologize to you for any weirdness that may have come across in my attempt to continue speaking and thinking. While my eyes burn like a quesadilla that was left on the stove too long. <laughs> hey, you got me in the end there. Uh, yeah, I seriously. Know, I had to throw it in. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much, man. I know, you know, we've over the years, we have each found ourselves in situations where we want 
We want the show to go on by hook or by crook. Uh, and so we hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoy making it. And folks, we can't wait to hear from you. So thanks to Hank. Thanks to T. Thanks to Viking. The fog rolls in. Uh, if you <laughs> want to take a page from their book and let us know what's going on in your mind, tell us about regional disasters contamination events, operational incidents in your part of the world, whether or not you feel like they were given the attention they deserve. Uh, let us know what you thought about Hank's ideas. You can tell that we're all aboard for them. And let us know about the weirdest conversation you've had with law enforcement. What did they mm -hmm. find in your trunk that you told them was for Ooh. sex? <laughs> or you know how did it go how surreal did it get because we've got our we've got our own war <laughs> stories but we want to hear yours uh so try so go ahead and find us online we got a facebook page here's where it gets crazy find us on youtube you can find us on instagram you can find us on twitter all the hits uh and if you don't want to sip those social meads so i like to say then you can always give us a call directly and you might end up on the show that's right. Go the way of this episode and call 1-833-STDWYTK. When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname. We'll jot it down and remember next time you call. Uh, heads up, we do see your number. It's a voicemail system, mm -hmm. and we might call you back. So beware of that. Uh, prepare yourself. Say some things into a mirror at night. Three candles required. Um, you've got three minutes with each candle because they're, they're very special one-minute candles uh, that mm -hmm. the whole system mm -hmm. comes with. Don't worry about it. Um, when you call in, please do give yourself a cool nickname. Uh, that'll just help us remember you when you call in the next time. And you've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. We'd, we'd love to hear your opinion on anything. We want to hear about new stories that we should be covering. We want to hear everything. Even, yes... More broccoli. We want to hear your ridiculous history and ridiculous romance comments. Continue calling in with those. That's totally fine. That's <laughs> totally fine. Gotta have you back on that show, Matt. Please. <laughs> totally what fine. do I need to do? Ridiculous news with Mark, by the way, is one of my favorite choices you and Noel and everybody over on that side have made in a long time. Uh, not, no offense to his his other host. I just don't know. Bill. I don't think I know yeah. that person. I don't know Bill. Yeah. I know I've met Mark on several occasions and he's hilarious and awesome. Yeah, so good Mark's, work. Mark's great. Mark and Bill are both great. Thanks for that shout out. Matt. And I know you're not blowing smoke uh, and we hope that you enjoy all the shows we do from MLK to the ridiculous slate and on. If you have more ideas or if you have a story that doesn't fit into three minutes space, on, on the telephone, then don't feel like you have to uh, jump back on and, and try to write it out as audio chapters. Uh, instead, you don't have to edit yourself. You can write the entire story, the observation down. Love to hear from you. Attach ancillary links. Give us some leads. Introduce us to the front of that rabbit hole, and we'll do our best to see what's at the bottom. All you have to do is drop us a good old-fashioned email where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.